What's up, everyone? Thank you for watching, listening, experiencing Yanksco Talking, the weekly U.S. soccer podcast. Today, I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Ryan and Tom. I'm Jake, host of FIFA America. Guys, let's start off every week. How's everyone doing? Ryan, let's start with you. What's up? What's new? Uh, not much, man. Had an incredible weekend that we'll dive into a bit later. Uh, but a fun little background story from the weekend that I just want to speak to how amazing the German people are. Uh, I had the luxury of going down to Munich to watch Hoffenheim versus Bayern play. And as I was got there on Friday and as I was leaving on Sunday, I noticed in my hotel room, I couldn't find my car keys and I was freaking out, panicking. And so tore the whole hotel room apart and tore my backpack apart, couldn't find them. I was like, oh gosh, dude, did I leave them in the car? But if I left them in the car, that means I didn't lock the car. So I went over to the park house and since I knew we were going to be there for like two days, I left it down on like the third level, walked up to my car and there my car keys were and a mask sitting on the roof of my car. So for two days, my car was just sitting there with the keys on the roof. And uh, I've never been so excited, but also just so like felt so lucky in my life. And I just think that that really speaks to how amazing and honest the German people are and uh, kind of how lucky I am. So, yeah, it was a it was a crazy weekend with many ups and downs. <laughs> they might make you cry with their directness, but maybe their <laughs> kindness on those fronts makes up for it. Tom, how for about sure. you? I'm doing really well. Um, uh, I a mountain in New Mexico yesterday. We were up around 10,000 feet, could see the entire Rio Grande Valley. It was gorgeous. One of my favorite hikes, but still recovering from the altitude sickness that comes with spending, you know, an hour above 10,000 feet uh, to this morning. Also, just a great weekend in general. I'd like to shout out my Atlanta Braves for making the first World Series since I was three years old in 1999. So I know it's going to end disappointingly. I'm a Georgia sports fan through and through. It's going to be a crushing few weeks, but I'm along for the ride and just excited that we're finally going back after most of my life away. <laughs> yeah. So altitude sickness, is that, what, is that what we're calling it these days, Tom? <laughs> hey, it was actual kids? altitude sickness this time. <laughs> They're in the same Fair breath enough. with uh, the age flex there as well. <laughs> right. I, was, I was only three years old in 1999. <laughs> well, you do the math. <laughs> All right, guys. So before we get to our normal segments, stars and strikes and the tweets of the week, um, we need to talk about some of the bigger stories over the weekend for our U.S. men's national team. One of them being that Serginho Dest has played the last three or four games at the right wing position for Barcelona and started there this weekend in El Clasico against Real Madrid. Do you guys think we need to start considering Dest as a right winger for the U.S. men's national team? Or where is he most needed and most valuable for the national team picture? Maybe Tom... Do you have uh, an opinion there? Yeah, I'm okay. So might be a bit of a controversial opinion, but I really think the U S men's national team might be deeper at right wing right now than Barcelona, which is crazy to say, but Barcelona's really banged up players like on Fati are not playing right now. You've got a lot of injuries. I, I think Dembele's hurt as well, which is, you know, his typical state. So just playing there feels like an emergency situation for Barcelona and I just don't think that that's the situation for the U.S. Even if we don't consider Reyna a winger, if we consider him a midfielder, we still have Brendan Aronson, we still have Tim Weah, we still have Connor De La Fuente. We have all of these really good wingers who play in huge leagues in Europe. 
And I just don't think it's worth taking Dest, moving Dest onto the field and taking one of those guys off just to replace Dest it right back with someone like Reggie Cannon or DeAndre Yedlin. Even Joe Scally, I don't think, is an upgrade over, say, Brandon Aronson or Tim Weah. So as much as I've loved seeing Dest play there, I just don't think it's the best fit for the U.S. men's national team right now. Do you agree, Ryan? Yeah, actually, I think Tom kind of nailed it. And it boils down to what the needs are and how you fit the best 11 out there. Um, right now, it's not a glaring need for us. Is Dest capable of playing right wing? Absolutely. I, I don't think that's really was ever in the question. He's incredibly talented. And anytime you can get him the ball and have him have the freedom to be able to go at players one-on-one is a situation that I feel really comfortable in. Uh, right now... Kind of how Tom already said, we've got so much depth in that position. I don't think that's how we fit our best 11 on the field. But one thing I think is also important to pull out is kind of just our playing style when we're playing under Greg. We kind of saw it a lot in the last window of how important our fullbacks are to us when we're in possession and when we're in offense. Those guys are creating so much for us. Anthony Robinson, too, on the other side has just been incredible in opening up opportunities for us. He doesn't do it so much off the dribble. He's more with pace and and getting in good crosses. So I just think if we're really trying to get our best 11 on the field, our best 11 is with Dester right back. And I think he's, you know, a capable defender too. He's going to get beat. He's going to get caught out from time to time, but I think any player is. And exactly like Tom said, I would rather have Dest in that position rather than Yedlin or even Scally when he gets in. Yeah, and especially thinking about our last few games where that side of the field, when they were clicking with Timothy Weah, Serginio Dest, and Eunice Musa, all up that right side, you don't really want to mess with that when when the going is good right now. And Timothy Weah, you could argue, isn't even our first string right winger when everyone's healthy. So it only gets better from here. I, I agree with you guys, but there's some heated debate online. So yeah, <laughs> one to I- see. I, I mean, I get the debate. He's super capable, but I just don't think for like, he's, he's obviously a great player, but just for us and what we need right now, I, I don't think it's the right choice. I also want to pump the brakes a little bit on right wing because he like, technically is lined up when you look at pop mob lineup as a right wing, but he plays a lot deeper when you watch these Barcelona matches than a True. traditional right wing. Like I watched, I guess I didn't get to see his match last week, but I watched the highlight of that match where they just dismantled. Uh, whoever they were playing, I guess it was Valencia last weekend. And the goal he scored, he assists on, he literally starts his run from the other half of the field. And he was totally playing wingback at that point in the game. I think it's been more of a 5-3-2 that Dest sort of pushes up in than it is a traditional 4-3-3. Yeah. All right, so moving on to an American still in MLS but looks very likely to transfer abroad and join our brethren in Europe soon. Ricardo Pepe transfer seems to be imminent. The next transfer window is going to be huge for a lot of players, but especially Ricardo Pepe needing to find a team that will help develop him, give him playing time. We've heard some strong rumors. Currently, Wolfsburg, Ajax, Liverpool, Manchester United all seem to be interested, um, but it seems like the Bundesliga may be the spot where Pepe lands. I have I have a few questions for you guys. The first is, where do you want to see him go in terms of his development and his ability to get into the starting lineup? And where do you think is the most likely for him to actually land? 
So Ryan, maybe we'll we'll kick off with you. Where do you want to see Pepe go? Uh, where I'd love to see him go, I mean, the number one choice is going to be Ajax. I think it's just a club that has such a deep history of developing players. Uh, I think it's it's the perfect scenario for him. It's in a league that promotes offensive players and really is a, go- a goal scorer's dream to go play in that Eredivisie, especially when you're a team like Ajax and dominating most of the games that they play in. I think that'd be a good first step for him, and then you know that. I then have him go on to potentially a bigger club. Uh, personally, the things I don't want to see is for him to go like straight to Bayern uh, or straight to a big club. I, th- I think we've seen a bit of that from some of our young USMNT guys. Uh, and it's, it is a good step in their development, but it doesn't necessarily result in a lot of first team minutes right away. And that's why you see a lot of these guys moving on to either going out on loan or, you know, playing with the B team as well. Like it's, it's just not an optimal situation. These years from 18, 19, 21, 2021 are, are huge for a young player. So Ajax is the number one place. I would love to see him go. Uh, BVB would also be a, a great place that I'd love to see him play. They're well known for playing their youngsters and with the injury situation and with Halan right now and Halan more than likely being gone within the next year or two, that there, there could be an opening for him there. So those are, those are the two clubs I'd like to see him play at the most. But from everyone I've been talking to and from what I'm hearing right now, it's pretty much locked in that, unfortunately, he's going to be going to Wolfsburg, uh, which I, I think we've seen enough of our young USMNT players go to Wolfsburg at this point. And uh, so far, not a great track record for them there. So uh, from what, what we could see, he could be there. But hey, there's a first for everything, you know? So maybe maybe Pepe will be the first one to break through there. I don't so know. Tom you, is, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask to just elaborate a little bit more for anyone that is just paying attention maybe to the John Brookses of the world and not necessarily the young players that have gone to Wolfsburg from American academies. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about uh, Julianes started out going out there. We've had Kobe Hernandez Foster end out there. Brian Cayo has been out there. Uh, and, you know, Yuli was kind of the closest to really breaking through. He was training with the first team uh, kind of in the preseason and and did fairly well in preseason for them. This was, gosh, not this past preseason, but I think it was, it was, two, yeah, yeah, it was a few years yeah. back. A few years back, and it, and it looked like he was going to be the one to break through. But then all of a sudden the season kicked off and he he didn't get minutes. Uh, I know Brian as well. Brian Kayo has been training with the first team a little bit in the off season, but again, coming into this season, you know, last minute they had to get him alone out to uh, Victoria Berlin. So it's, it's been tough for our young guys to really get an opportunity there. I'm not going to say that I'm a Wolfsburg expert, but I don't know that they necessarily have a tradition of promoting a lot from within their youth system. Cause uh, from what I've seen, it, it hasn't worked out for a handful of our players, but Again, I, I can't speak to some of the other guys there. So it, it's a tough situation to be in. But again, first time for everything. And I mean, heck, even when he got when Pepe got called into the national team, I'll be the first to admit that I thought it might have been a little early for him. I didn't know that he was ready. And I mean, he sure shut that down right away. So what's to say that he can't be the first one to go there? But I know he's going to have a lot of stiff competition when he goes there. I mean, they've got Veghorst. They've got, oh, gosh two other young German nationals that are like 22 and 25 that play the same position. So 
he's he's definitely going to be up against the wall. But hey, if that's what he sees the best for his development and what his agent and family told him to do, then more power to him. You were going to ask Tom something, I think. I don't know. I was just ask Tom. Yeah, no, I was just going to ask Tom. Like, what other? I mean, you've seen all the rumors floating around. There's Premier League teams. There's Spanish teams. There's German teams. Where Where do you? If you had your choice, where would you have him go to? I mean, you know, I think that all of us are going to agree that Ajax and Dortmund are probably the two best clubs in the world for a player like Pepe to develop as an offensive talent. It seems unlikely that either of them are going to, you know, end up pulling the trigger on him, but those would sort of be my first choice. I don't want to see him in the Premier League. I just don't think that we have a good track record of seeing youth go to the Premier League and start as a first-team player and do well. And the competition and depth are just so crazy on all of those teams that I just I don't see a space for Pepe to play, which is what he really needs right now. A good landing spot might be Serie A, but I, I can't really think of a club that would need Pepe right now off the top of my head. Venezia, Maybe. right? Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Venezia. I mean, a, a club that's been floating around that I think would be good as like a dream club would be for him to study under Edin Dzeko at Inter Milan. Uh, but, you know, that's that's a crazy big club to, you know, try and break through at too. And I think it's more important for Pepe to get playing time now than it is for him to be at a big club. So for me, I would rather see him go to a club that's willing to just sort of throw him in and say, you know, play than it is for me to sort of have that pedigree next to his name. He's got yeah. such a long career to get the pedigree, but he's got a year to get ready for the World Cup. And I think that's actually transitions well into another good question that I'd ask you, Jake, is the another idea that's been floating around is, is it best for him just to stay at FC Dallas? It doesn't look like that's what's going to happen, but we're rolling up to 2022 real quickly here. What do you think? Is it, is it the right move and the right time for him or should he hold out a little bit? This is a very weird timing to be the up and coming player on a national team. That's already kind of taken your spot for the national team, but not necessarily landed in a club where you're going to have a long-term future. So it is very, it should need to be a specific decision that Pepe makes based on those criteria, which you guys very nicely laid out. And in my mind, Pepe needs to go somewhere where he's not just getting playing time because we've seen what that means for Josh Sargent on a poor Norwich team. <laughs> he needs call. to go to a club where he's going to get playing time and they play attacking soccer where he's going to get chances. Because in, in my mind, we... We need to have players that are playing similar styles to what we play on the national team. And especially for attackers, wingers and strikers specifically, I really want to see them on teams that attack a lot, that play forward a lot, that have a lot of chances. Because as good as Josh Sargent can be, if you put Josh Sargent on a team like Liverpool, I know it's never going to happen or ridiculous to think about. He probably has, you know, four or five goals at this point in the season. Yeah. It's it's just not the same to go play on Norwich, but he's still the same player. So for me, Ricardo Pepe, yes, he needs to find a team that will give him playing time and develop him, but he also needs to go to a team that plays attacking soccer as well. Yeah. Based on that criteria, I'm what about Celtic? I think Celtic probably not my favorite destination, but we've seen, you know, Cameron Carter-Vickers get a ton of minutes and and develop nicely there. I think 
a country that we're not really talking about, Portugal could be a good destination for him to go. Mm-hmm. Maybe a team like Porto or Benfica are one of the better teams there. Yeah, sport. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Anderlecht or even one of the, the Belgian teams. I, I really just want to see him go get playing time, play in a good European league. It doesn't need to be top five for me because I do believe in his talent that eventually that pedigree, like you said, Tom, is going to come out and, and he'll be ready for a top five league. Yeah, as, as well, far as Celtic, Celtic goes, I just don't think it's as much of an upgrade. Like changing the environment, and I don't think it's that much of a higher level of competition. That I'd, I, if that were the case, if it were between Celtic and FC Dallas, just for me, I would say, hey, just stay at FC Dallas. But if we can yeah. get a, a little bit higher level of competition, like you were even saying, the Belgian league, Port- or Portuguese league, hopefully even you know a little bit higher than that, while still getting playing time, I think you crushed it, Jake. Exactly is. He's got to be in yeah. the right place. It's not, and that's what I'm tired of seeing is people just going after the name of like, oh, I got to go to Bayern or I got to go to one of these huge clubs and then just get buried. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully it's the right situation. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know that Wolfsburg is that, but hey, prove me wrong. I was about we, to say, we talk about this a lot in like ahead, in other sports and in like even in my profession. Like, it's sometimes better to be a small, a large fish in a small pond than it is to be a big fish in a or small fish in a big pond. It's easier to stand out and make a name for yourself as a young player if you're not going to the big clubs in the world and trying to break through than it is to, you know, try and be the next guy at Bayern. Everyone wants to be the next guy at Bayern. But the next guy at Venezia who wows everyone has a much better chance of breaking through because, you know, it's easier to make a name for yourself when you're not competing against Robert Lewandowski for minutes. Yeah, I think that's especially true for an attacker. To to stand out is one of the more important Mm -hmm. things to get the bigger move. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, as long as he doesn't have the same agent as Ethan Horvath whispering in his ear, <laughs> telling him where to go, then I'm okay with with wherever Pepe lands. Dude, uh, I didn't see one's gonna head. <laughs> yeah, I saw one tweet this weekend of the Notting. Is it? Yeah, Nottingham keeper getting like a four point seven yeah. rating, just trash. So hey, better days could be ahead for Ethan Horvath. Let's hope so. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right. Let's move to Stars and Strikes because I think a star that you guys want to talk about may be a teammate of Ricardo Pepe's on FC Dallas. So let's start with the Stars from the week. Just being upfront with all of our listeners, if you didn't catch it, there was not a lot to talk about in terms of good performances across <laughs> Europe. Yeah, we, we had to go deep on these and really figure out, you know, how are we going to talk about these stars? But there were some. There were also some in MLS as well. So, Tom, maybe we'll start with you. Who are your stars from this past weekend? Um, I'm going to go for this last week in general. Serginho Dest is probably the best player we've had. He had an assist in El Clasico, even though he ha- should have had a goal too. We're going to look past that. He played really well midweek in the Champions League. Um, beyond that, not a whole lot really strong in Europe. McKenney played decent, I guess, pretty defensive for Juventus in a draw. Um, Aronson had a pretty good game in the UCL this weekend or midweek. Cameron Carter Vickers had put in a strong performance for Celtic in Europa League this week. But beyond that, yeah, I'm going to go to MLS for my player of the week being Jesus Ferreira, who's Pepe's getting all the highlights and all the hype. Jesus Ferreira has quietly put together almost as good of a season as him. He got bagged another assist in both the midweek game and the weekend game and was just, he's just on fire right now. So He's another one to talk about for this November, November November camp as someone who could earn a call up, just by the fact that he's just in great form right now. What do you guys think, right? I mean, who are your stars? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely echo, I think, Jesus Ferrer had a great week. Uh, real nice banger of a goal. The highlight that I did see of it, you know, it's from outside the 18, bends it well. Um, but as far as being ready for a call-up yet, I don't know that he's there for me. Um, but still, you, you know, you got to recognize some of the good stuff when you see it. And definitely a, a strong week for Jesus. And he's been one of Greg's guys in the past. But in digging further deep, and I don't think this one's that deep, but I think Luca De La Torre had uh, a great game this week uh, against uh, Pex Wool. And he created the most chances of any player on the field. He completed 90% of his passes. He, I went back to watch the game, and he was definitely the most impactful player. Um, they still lost 1-0, but, I mean, you could see that he was a level above. I think, you know, he really came out of the last national team window and has taken that momentum and brought it back to his club. So really excited to see him carry on that and still, you know, keep in good form. Uh, Joe Scally, again, you know, going to keep beating that drum. He's just been incredible. He just, so he's now played 800 minutes in the Bundesliga so far this year. I mean, I don't think anybody could have seen that to start the season and just continues to show incredible versatility. It, uh, this is another game that I've seen him mid game switch from the right to the left. And so when you have a player like that, that you can really use as a chess piece out there, I don't think there's any question that he gets called in for the November window. Uh, it, it, it shouldn't even be up for debate at this point. Um, another one that a little bit deeper is I want to give a shout out to Sam Bynes. Sam Bynes coming back for Antwerp. He played 180 minutes. Uh, he's just recovering from a broken collarbone. So good to see him back uh, in his midweek game. He completed the most dribbles actually of any player on Antwerp. So that's pretty impressive for a left back. Uh, he's shown a bit of creativity there. Still a young guy and has a long way to go. But I will say he also lost the most duels. Uh, in his match against Bruges. So, I mean, like like we said, we're digging deep here. But you know what? He's back on the field, earning minutes, learning every day, and he's challenging himself, you know? He made the leap to come over here and try to take that next step. So I commend him for that, and I'm just really glad to see him back on the pitch. It's a name that doesn't get talked about a lot. I still think he's got a lot of room for growth before he's getting called up into the national team. But as we've seen, you know, we'll take as many left backs as we can get. Give me all the left backs. Yeah, way more left backs. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll just add to you guys. Pretty much hit on everybody, but uh, Daryl DK scored a penalty against Matt Turner, uh, in I think it was two nights ago or maybe last night's mm -hmm. game. It was last night. Last night's game. So Daryl's back in scoring mode. I think he has four or five in the last nine or ten. So he's in good form for Orlando. And then uh, someone that we haven't talked about, but we will talk about when we get to Tweets of the Week, is the 17-year-old keeper for the Chicago Fire, Gabriel so Slonina. I need to always slow my mind down to say that, Slonina. Um, he has four clean sheets in nine games, had another clean sheet over the weekend against RSL. And it was fun to watch because David Ochoa, uh, a recently jumping ship from the U.S. national team to join Mexico was on the other side between the posts, and uh, they put a few past him while Gabriel Slonina had a shutout. So maybe we lost a 20-year-old goalkeeping phenom, but we found another 17-year-old three years younger and uh, just as much hype around him starting to build. So I, I definitely want to shout him out as well. Did we miss anybody? I want to put one other name out there. Tanner Tessman. Came on as a sub for Venezia and by all accounts looked pretty good in his sub appearance for them. It's good to see him getting minutes and apparently he like reinvigorated Venezia even though I don't think they 
played very well in general. They had a good first half, uh, and Busio did go out with a a slight injury, slight knock. We'll see how serious that is. Um, but Busio has been playing well also. Uh, last two games, mm-hmm. I think he had a critical pass that led to one of their goals that mm-hmm. uh, won them the game. But then over the weekend, they lost 3-1. to one. But I will say that all of the goals <laughs> were once uh, he had left the field due to injury. Ryan, I don't know if you had anyone else come to mind. No, no. I mean, that, when I'm when I'm digging down to Sam Bynes, I think I've I've dug as deep as I can go at that point. <laughs> cool. We, uh, we can't know, go deeper. We, we maybe the go list all the way down. strikes is a little I mean, bit I saw, longer. A person that I'm always a big fan of, and I've mentioned him a little bit before. I did go back to watch some FC Dallas highlights, and just every time I see Paxton Pomacall play, I, I just love the kid. Uh, he he had a good outing as well. He's another really versatile player in the midfield. You can play him on the wing. So he's a quiet guy that's definitely flying under the radar right now. I don't think he'll be anywhere close to the team come 2022, but I'm really excited to see him grow. And I think he could be in the next qualifying cycle, someone that we see kind of move into a better position and could definitely be in the, in the contention to be in the team. Yeah. Tom, yeah, don't you I dare agree. say Sebastian Legette. <laughs> I won't, but I will say Josie Altador had a great free kick goal this weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're allowed to say that just because he's so far away from the national team picture right now, and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, so we're glad to see that Josie Altador can do something well while standing still. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. If, just, if it doesn't require any running where he's going to blow a hammy, uh, then yeah, sure. He, he can fit that mold. Maybe he could take off like foot golf. He could be a great... He could be on the US MNT foot golf team. Who knows? Low blows. Uh, speaking of some stars that haven't seen the field for a while, uh, Pulisic and Reyna seem to be rehabbing at different rates in different places even. So Christian Pulisic has been kind of on the edge of coming back and seeing playing time for the last few weeks. I think he'll likely make the bench in the EFL Cup this week, barring any different uh, news from the Chelsea team. But Gio Reyna was seen walking the pitch at Q2 Stadium in Austin this weekend. Is he just in the States rehabbing? Is that normal, guys? Like, should we be a bit more worried about his his independence from BVB? For, for me, the panic meter is at zero. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about it at all. Uh, last year, when Halan was injured, we saw him doing some rehabbing in Qatar. Uh, Pogba last year, when he was hurt, was rehabbing in Miami. It's not uncomfortable for, or it's not abnormal for these guys to go to docs or physios that they're comfortable with. Uh, I, you know, I think they probably have a, a great staff there that his dad is really plugged in with at Austin. So it could have been in consulting with his dad that this would be something that would be a better place for him to rehab at. Uh, for, the only thing that it really tells me is that, yeah, he's, he's still pretty far away from coming back to the pitch, which is a bummer. Um, but yeah, as far as like panicking, no, nah, it's, it doesn't make me panic at all. Um, I think it's something that just, you know, we see from time to time. And the only thing that I would say it raised a little bit flag on is like why Holland and geo both from BBB, not rehabbing there. Maybe, maybe there's some improvements that could be made at the BBB physio department. Could be, could be. Yeah. Um, are you worrying Tom? I'm not worrying. I mean, in terms of the Mexico game, I, it's, pretty much confirmation for me that, you know, Rain is not playing, which that sucks. He was really great the last time we played Mexico, but you know, we've got other players. It's next man up. 
that was always the way qualifying was going to go. So, you know, this is just another opportunity for Aronson and Wea to show their quality. So, you know, as far as the U.S. is concerned, we can survive not having Reyna. I do wish that he would, you know, I'm, it's sad that he's not healthy yet. But, you know, give him till January. I think that's sort of a realistic timeline. We'll see him back in the field in January and maybe even see him in the U.S. camp at the end of that month. And just yeah. wish him the best in his recovery. Yeah, uh, Marco Rosa was actually quoted uh, a couple days ago in, in the, some interviews preparing for the upcoming matches that saying that uh, we're still missing Gio and there's no sign yet of when he'll be back. So I think it's, it's confirmed. And also I saw some other tweets floating around that Marco Rosa even said that, you know, his recommendation to the national team is going to be to not call him up. So it's, it's pretty much rubber stamped at this point. He won't be there for November, but yeah. Didn't the national team actually come out and confirm? Yeah. We're not calling him up. I think so. Yeah. Did you see Jake? I mean, the, I mean, the game is on the 12th of next month. That's a little <laughs> over two weeks away, I think. So it would, I'd be hard pressed to see Reyna be so far away from coming back to Dortmund and then make that team. But to, to flip to the other player who might come back this week, might not, we don't know yet. If Pulisic is only just starting to get substitute minutes and getting back into shape and, and 90 minutes fit for Chelsea over the next few weeks. Is it risky to call him in for that Mexico game in terms of re-injury or do you got, are you guys calling Pulisic into this next roster or not? To me, 30 minutes of Pulisic is better than not having Pulisic at all. Even if we can't use him for very long, Pulisic is so good as a super sub and Mexico has never seen him in that role before. It would be just, Great to see what he could do with it. I do worry slightly from a Chelsea pl- fan that it might lead to some re-injury. But remember, this is not a muscular injury. He got two foot tackled in Honduras. It was pretty me- clear at this point that it should have been a red card, but it's CONCACAF. So this is not for me like a bad injury that we have to worry about re-injury, just like tweaking the muscle again. For me, this is a how can we reconstruct an ankle that you just got destroyed in Honduras. And I, if he's back, then I, I'm fine with it. I don't know, Jake, I'm going to lean on you. You're the, you're our London source. So yeah. Well, I'm not as close to uh, the players as, as you are in Germany. <laughs> 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 so I, I can't say I'll, I'll keep that one secret for now. Fair enough. I'll keep you guys guessing. The one thing I would love to point out though, is you do see Pulisic kind of, getting destroyed by tw- Chelsea Twitter and it drives me nuts. Uh, and it's a little bit of apples to oranges, but to be fair in his one appearance, he has one goal. Jaden Sancho has like seven appearances and stole no goals. So I don't see the, I don't Poor see the Jayden. England. Can, yeah. I don't see Why the you England bring man roasting him. <laughs> to be fair, Pulisic hates crystal palace, like for no reason at all, just hates them. So like, the fact that Pulisic's one game was against Palace makes this an unfair comparison. Sancho doesn't hate anyone <laughs> the same way that Pulisic does. Hey, we'll really take just... him back at BVB any day of the week. <laughs> and that, that's imagine, Sancho I'm talking about. Or imagine Pulisic, if really. Sancho and Pulisic go back to BVB oh. <laughs> in oh, their man. prime years. That'll take you from six to twelve BVB. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So our list of strikes will be a lot longer than our stars, but we might be too sad to really dive deep into what those performances looked like. Um, Ryan, who are the strikes from this past match day? 
you know, I, I'm not going to go too hard in on a couple of people. Uh, I think we were really optimistic to see how Adams would perform against PSG and to, to see him give up the goal. Besides that one bad moment, I don't think overall he was terrible, but that was definitely a glaring mistake and that hurts to see. But I have all the faith in the world that that type of mistake like lights an enormous fire inside Tyler Adams. And so, you know, we all learn more from the mistakes that we make. And I think that's something that Adams will walk Except away Greg. from. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well played. You know, that was very well played. I teed it up for you. Um, but, you know, I, speaking of apples to oranges, I think uh, comparing Adams to Greg would be apples to oranges. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was tough to see. And then to see him not start the weekend match for uh, Leipzig was kind of disappointing. But, you know, it happens. Serginio Dest, overall, great week, but what has to be talked about is that missed sitter. And I think, again, maybe this is, you know, another reason why he's more of a defensive player than a wing back or than a, than a winger. Uh, granted, you know, he did have the Golasso for us against Costa Rica. So it happens to the best of them. You know, he put it over the top. But, man, when your team loses 2-1 and you look back at the full 90, you look at little moments like that and just think, man, what a different game it would have been if he buries that. And also, too, he's such a player that thrives off of confidence. So if, I think if he would have buried that, you would have seen the best of Serginio Dest. Uh, and then lastly, uh, I kind of want to, you know, one small strike is, is John Brooks uh, over the week or in the midweek game against Salzburg. We saw what John Brooks can be. You know, sometimes he gets caught ball watching a little bit, and we saw that in their 3-1 loss. So they now have fired their coach at Wolfsburg. So new coach coming in could be a good thing for the youth players too. Who knows? Um, but we don't know who, I don't know who the new coach is going to be, but I think it'll put more pressure on John Brooks. And, you know, every time Brooks has been in difficult situations, he tends, tends to step up to the plate as far as earning playing time. So the new situation he'll be in, I'm hoping it kind of helps get him into better form. <clears throat> but for me, those were, Three three strikes from the week that I think were warranted that needed a need a little attention. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I, I agree that Brooks definitely did not have a good week and is just in terrible form right now. So I hope he can pick up better. I had the Adams giveaway against PSG as being a huge strike. That's just not something you can do and you know cost Leipzig crucial points against the favorites to win the UCL this year. I, I do hope that he does bounce back from it, and I think he will. He's too good of a player to let that sort of affect him. My other strikes, uh, for me, Busio getting injured really just stinks. It just, you know, I would have loved to see how he could have performed doing a full 90 and to see him, you know, not be able to continue after 40. Okay, we might have lost Tom. He might be back, though. <laughs> Who knows? Schrod Schrodinger's Tom. <clears throat> um, I think he was saying he wished he would have seen Gianluca Busio for more than 45 minutes, but yeah, I think he was talking about how it was more of a strike to our hearts. You know, he was, he was disappointed uh, to see that using that Italian poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Just, we need some more hand motion in there and then we'll be good. <laughs> I think for me, my strikes were really just the weekend in general. There were a lot of Americans that could have performed at a really high level. If Dest would have put that first goal away. I mean, you, you said it, Ryan, he's, player that thrives on confidence getting a goal that early in the game in El Clasico could have been huge for not just him but getting the crowd involved getting Barcelona a bit more confident 
because they did look the better team than Real Madrid for for most of the game. I would also say um, John Brooks, like you said, got his coach fired <laughs> just <laughs> based on him turning off. And I hope the best for that team. I mean, I it's very hard for me to see a team that performed so well last year in the Bundesliga. They were statistically the best defense by far in, in the entire Bundesliga. And then to see that same, they held on to every single one of their starting back line, LaCroix, um, Mbabu, they all stayed and they're getting these results. I mean, they're just in such poor form. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that situation progresses. But one quick thing I want to talk about for that desk confidence piece. I don't know about you guys, but if, if I'm playing in a Sunday league match and I miss that shot, I'm like dreaming about it. I'm having yeah. nightmares about it when I go to sleep for the next month. So to miss that in El Clasico for Barcelona starting at right wing, I, I just hope that Dest has enough mental fortitude and capacity to move forward with that and just forget it ever happened to be his true self in that next game. Yeah, hopefully the assist late in the game did did enough to at least raise his confidence. Still lost a bit. though. Yeah, for sure. It's tough. I mean, the, the assist was in what ni- the ninety sixth minute, ninety seventh minute, something like yeah. that. It was it was pretty late, and the game was pretty much in the bag at that point. But you know, if if we've seen we've seen what Sergio Des can do, and if there's he's just all it takes is one good game the next week for him to bounce right back. I think for a lot of these guys as professional athletes, they all preach. You've heard it a million times. Got to have a short memory. You know, you got to be able yeah. to shake those things off and move on to the next thing. And as still as a young guy that, you know, we forget so many times that Des is still 20 years old. So yeah. hope, hopefully this is a good learning opportunity for him. And, you know, he still has the confidence or Komen still has the confidence in him to keep him out there. Cause you know, we talked about this a little bit before with Matt Turner you know, when you have a bit of a shaky game, I think it's really important for the coach to come right at right back to you the next time. You know, it's not not great to make an American football analogy, but like when you're when a wide receiver drops a ball, the next play you throw it right back to him. If a three point shooter misses a shot in basketball, you dish him the ball right away to get him back on track. I think it's the same for soccer. You know, these guys, you got to give them another opportunity, let them have that short term memory, build their confidence back up, and get back out there and move on to the next one. Yeah. And speaking on that, it it wasn't necessarily a performance strike, but I do just have to mention how much Caden Clark has fallen off the radar for not just the U.S. men's national team, but also for the New York Red Bulls. Uh, And this comes at a time when the Red Bulls are on a nine game unbeaten streak, getting back into the playoff mix in MLS. Caden Clark has very rarely seen the field. And when he has, he's been getting kind of 10 or 20 minutes as a substitute. So not necessarily anything to call out in terms of striking his performances, but he has really fallen off the radar for his club team. And at the same time, his club team has started to perform extremely well without him. So I'm happy he's already sold to to Leipzig. We'll see if he can develop there, if he goes back on loan somewhere else. But uh, yeah, that's worrying to me. He's, I think, one of the better players in that, that age group. He just needs to be getting playing time and not with a team that just plays pinball and and really needs an athletic technical 10. Yeah. From what you've seen, I mean, you're, you're a local RB Red Bulls fan. What, what have you seen drop off in his game? I think the, the play style really just doesn't suit him for the way that 
the New York Red Bulls want to play. So usually when you think about the Red Bull teams, Leipzig, Salzburg, Jesse Marsh, any of those teams, um, you're thinking about high press. You're thinking about um, maybe a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-2-2-2. And Caden Clark isn't, or, or I should kind of go back. The coach for the Red Bulls team does like to play a high press, but he likes to play a 4-4-2 diamond. And he just likes chaos. Like if you watch Barnsley when Daryl DK was on yeah. on loan there, that's essentially what they're trying to do. They're just trying to press as high up the field as they can, make the opponents make as many mistakes as possible, and push their fullbacks as high up. Like it's really just a chaotic game. I think Caden Clark really manages a game well when he has a little bit of time or he can take a step and find a striker that's running in behind. But they're not really trying to play beautiful soccer. They're not really trying to play one-two passes. They're they're really just trying to play as high up the field, make it messy, make it chaotic. And for me, Caden Clark isn't that type of player. Yeah, and, and we know for sure he's going straight to Leipzig, or is there, is, it, is there any chance that he ends up at Salzburg? I mean, the purchase is already through for Leipzig, but what okay. we don't know is if he'll if he'll be put back on loan immediately. Um, so right now he's technically on loan to the New York Red Bulls. It was said that he was going to join Leipzig in the winter when MLS season ended. But at this point, I mean, if he's not even getting playing time for the New York Red Bulls, I doubt that not going on loan is a, a good decision for yeah. him. Could just be beauty in the eye of the beholder, though. You know, it could be a different could coach. Be. Yeah, playing a little bit different style could behoove him. So, yeah, he was definitely a player that I was excited about coming into the MLS season. That's the thing that, you know, I don't get to watch a lot of MLS games being over here, but the one, the couple of games that I do get to watch maybe each week or every other weekend always involve some young USMNT player. Uh, that's yeah. why I tend to watch FC Dallas <laughs> for the most part. But yeah, I've been disappointed to not see him out there as much. I mean, to be fair, if you, if you watch Leipzig, uh, Forsberg or uh, Sabitzer, who's now on Bayern, but was on Leipzig mm-hmm. last year, he's a very similar to player to them. He's very attack focused. He's very technical on the ball and he can run. He can play a high press. He's good at that. He's just not good at that's that being the highlight of his game and not being able to use his technical abilities. Sure. Tom, we missed you. Welcome back. Sorry guys. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. New Mexico sun fried my phone that I was using for a hotspot. <laughs> oh shoot. <Okay. laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's only now. the end of October. Shouldn't yeah. be too warm. <laughs> it was 30 degrees this morning for me. <laughs> it's, it was like 90. It's going to be like 90 today. So, oh but yeah. Um, yeah, for me, sorry. I, I was cut off in the middle of my stars and strikes here. Um, the big strike I was going to point out that I'm not sure if you guys touched on while I was in internet hell was Matthew Hoppy didn't make the bench for Mallorca. And I really don't know what that's about, but it's not a good sign. Either that means he's hurt or he's just been like completely dropped from the team. And I wanted to get you guys' opinion on it. Yeah, I haven't been tracking anything that, you know, reports any sort of injury or anything like that. But I did note that as well, that he wasn't even in the game day roster. So a little bit concerning. You know, it's not all sunshine and butterflies out there in Mallorca. So hopefully, you know, it's just uh, something we haven't heard about yet. Maybe a little knock needs or... Sometimes we've seen personal issues, a little time away, maybe is what he needs, but love the love the player, love the talent, and you know, I believe that he'll be he'll be back in the squad. I agree. It's just a little weird for me after he started against Real Madrid 
had a goal called offside and has been playing relatively well for that team. It, it feels weird to me that he wouldn't make the bench without something else happening away from, from the field. Yeah. All right. Let's move on now to the tweets of the week. We have two for you guys. I had mentioned the rise of 17-year-old Gabriel Salonina. This comes from Chris Smith at CJ Smith 91 In a one nothing win over RSL this past weekend, that brings him to four clean sheets and 19 appearances. And his saves have been highlight-worthy. So I just wanted to ask you guys, I know he's probably not the top of the list of players that you're tracking or watching in MLS, but what, what kind of confidence does this give you when maybe we lose David Ochoa to the Mexican national team and then a 17-year-old comes into the spotlight? So not just for goalkeepers, but just it seems like there's a pipeline for every position now for the U.S. men's national team. Do you guys have any uh, insight into what's going on in MLS to make that happen? Uh, I'm definitely going to plead the fifth on this one. I haven't seen a lot of him play, <laughs> so I, I don't have anything really to contribute on him as a player. But I think MLS, what was it now, nine years ago that they were mandated to have academies across the board. And I think now we're finally see, seeing that come to fruition, which is nice. Uh, I do know, I believe there's a U17, but at 17, yeah. I know that finally we've gotten some hires in the youth coaching systems for U.S. national team. So that's kind of nice. Uh, so hopefully, you know, some young players like this, we can kind of start to bring them into our system and get some cohesiveness against some other people in their age. Because from everything I've read and seen, what the O3s are supposed to be a really impressive group of prospects. So, you know, let's get them into a camp early and get them playing together. I don't know, Tom, you're you're more the, the MLS guy that gets to watch some being over there in the States. It's more on your time scale. So have, have you watched him play much at all? I haven't, mostly because I'm on the West Coast. And when I think of... East Coast games to watch. The Chicago Fire don't necessarily top my list of teams that I'm really excited to watch play, um, given their standings and history over the last few years. But I am excited about Slanina. I do think that, you know, he's come on this year as an insanely good prospect and just, you know, balled out in his time for uh, Chicago Fire. So I'm excited to see what happens with him going forward. MLS has sort of produced a few really good goalkeepers over the last few years, from Ochoa to Marcinkowski to now Slanina. So there's there's really exciting prospects coming through in those MLS academies. And I do think that we are seeing the product of what Ryan said, the mandated development academies just nine years ago. This would be the first group of young players who started at a very young age in their academy and are now making it to the first team. And we're seeing just how valuable that is for the national team picture. I also want to comment on just how wildly like dumb I find dual national panic as a result of this like <laughs> yeah we lose a, a big good dual national player a great prospect in David Ochoa but to think we're in trouble because we lost this great prospect is doing our academies and our development pipeline just such a disservice because it seems like we got another guy coming up every single year if we lose one well it's you know okay what prospect in the next year are we gonna find it doesn't really worry me that we don't have anyone in Ochoa's specific year because all of our keepers are 26 years old. So we should be set for like eight years till we need another one. Exactly. Keep Keepers stay fresh for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll see them for a while yet. All right. So our next tweet of the week is one that's very close to home. One that's special from this weekend. 
our own, uh, let me do this, Ryan, met Alfonso Davies in the stands at the Hoffenheim Bayern game. What happened there, Ryan? Tell us a story about that. Uh, I was just blessed and, and really humbled to have an incredible experience over the weekend. Uh, you know, there was uh, some people that were in need and uh, I was lucky enough to reach out and, and be contacted and talk with some of the people from Chris Richards' family. And he had some family members out here, his amazing grandma and amazing great aunt, Gloria and Linda are just phenomenal people. And they were out in Germany for their first time and needed some help and from getting from Heidelberg out to Munich. So uh, I have offered some services. I think, you know, anytime you're living in a foreign country and you have an opportunity to help out some of your fellow statesmen, you got to take that opportunity. I've been down to Stuttgart to help dogs hit for some other people in the U.S. Army out here. So it's, it's nice to be able to stick together and, and help each other out. And so, yeah, it was great. I got to go out to the game with uh, some family members of the Richards family. And they're just such kind, incredible people. Uh, one of my biggest takeaways from the whole thing is just how important, you know, family and faith is to that Richards family. They're just incredible people all the way around. I've, I've been very blessed to, to have that opportunity. So we happen to be sitting in the uh, family section at the Byron Stadium. As you can see, I'm still rocking my Chris Richards Hoffenheim jersey in that section took a little bit of heat for that, but you know it's okay. <laughs> and uh, there were three seats open to the right of right of myself right when the game started. And uh, all of a sudden, I kind of like saw three guys come and sit down and took a quick glance, and then then kind of looked over again, and I was like, "Holy smokes, uh, that's Alfonso Davies!" Like no way. Um, and what really drew my attention, I thought was really cool was right when the players were coming out well, the first thing you heard was a shout from Alfonso, you know, saying like, ah, go Chris Richards. Like he was still super excited for him. And you could tell those guys are close from the experiences that they've had coming up through the Byron Academy together. So yeah, it was just an incredible experience. Uh, he, you know, Alfonso is super nice guy. Uh, I, I really appreciate him taking the time even just to take a quick picture with me. And again, just my, my deepest gratitude to everybody in the Richards family. They're, they're all, I just can't say enough good things about them. They're just such incredible people. Uh, and I think that's why, you know, you, it, it makes you want to root for players like Chris Richards. You know, I, I, some people were kind of saying that he had a rough one out there. That game was much closer than it kind of led on to, you know, it, it was two nothing until very late in the game. And if Hoffenheim could have just broken through with one, uh, I think it could have been really impressive. And then you know, I think one of the more impressive plays of the game was when Byron were on the break and it was leading up to the Lewandowski goal, but, you know, it was pretty much 2v1 with Chris tracking back and Chris was able to body off Mueller and kind of get in between him and the ball. You could see Mueller pin Richard's arm to him and, you know, Richard's did a good job to get him to turn back. And then he had to lay it off to Lewandowski, unfortunately just too much space between the other Hoffenheim defender and Lewandowski and, also, tip of the hat to Lewandowski. It was an incredible goal. But, yeah, just a great weekend. Awesome to be able to help out any other American that's ever over here. You know, like I said, it's just when you're in a foreign country and you don't have your family around you, it's it's great to know that you have other people that are here supporting you. So just uh, really blessed, really lucky to be at the right place at the right time. And, again, incredibly humbled and incredibly grateful for such a great experience this weekend. Just hearing that story makes me want to root for Chris Richards even more and his success going forward. So we appreciate you sharing that with us. And I'm sure you were happy <laughs> to have the yeah. weekend that you did as well. 
yeah, learned a lot. Definitely. Nice. All right, guys. So let's move on to just our last segment, games that you're watching this week. Just give me one. We don't need to run through the gambit. What's the one game that you're looking forward to watch in this next week? Ooh, tough because I got a couple of them. Uh, if, if I can, I'm going to stretch a little. Just two, and I'll make it quick because we'll keep it <laughs> under an hour. Um, the Pokal match between Gladbach and Bayern, I think a huge test for Scali. So excited to see him go up against some quality opponents. Uh, and then a game I really want to watch over the weekend, a guy under the radar, Chris Durkin. Um, you know, Chris Durkin will be and they'll be taking on Bruges over the weekend to see. So to see his club take on a team that's pretty high up in the table, it'll be I, that's definitely a game that I've got highlighted on my calendar that I want to watch to see if he's potentially is that guy that maybe we could see as a backup six to Adams. Yeah. Give me all your left backs and give me all your sixes. We'll take <laughs> that's them. what we need. Yeah. Tom, how about you? I'm going to go for my game, Barcelona versus Deportivo Alaves. Uh, we got Matt Miazga playing Serginho Dest. I expect Dest back at right wing again, and I expect him to go up against Miazga. So let's see how that goes. Two young, exciting players for the U.S. men's national team going up against each other in Spain. Can't ask for anything better. Nice, perfect. I think mine is going to be the EFL Cup for Manchester City and West Ham. Excited to see Zach Steffen continue to get minutes he almost always plays in the cup games for uh, Manchester City. And West Ham is a really tough opponent this year. They're, I think they're in the top four currently in the Premier League table. David Moyes has them going at 100% capacity. So I hope that's a good game to watch. And Zach Steffen is successful in getting to the next round. All right. So guys, what a show. What a week. Hopefully this next coming week is in we're talking about better performances for our U.S. national team players. But last word, what's the last word from you guys? Tom, what do you want to say? Oof. I mean, not a whole lot to say this week. I mean, just hopefully we see some things turn around for our guys in Europe. Excited to see how things go over the next few weeks. We're getting ready quickly for Mexico. So got to get ready for that turnaround. And, you know, I'm just going to take another opportunity to say I'm excited to watch the World Series this week, too, because... I Braves versus Astros is just going to be fun. I can't believe the Braves are here. Maybe we'll see the first championship from an Atlanta team in my lifetime. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll be sending you good vibes, Tom. Yeah. Some of us are old <laughs> enough to have seen some championships in the nineties for the Braves, but we only one in the year before I was born, only one that was ever won by a team in the city of Atlanta, not counting United. Yeah. That was in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> Not that much uh, younger than you guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, how about you? Yeah. For me, uh, yeah, just again, how we were talking about short memory, happy, ha- happy to see all these guys bounce back. Uh, you know, we're looking for a lot of these guys have midweek games and games over the weekend. So tons of opportunity to, to succeed. Happy about that. And then uh, wish me luck. We'll be going up to the Frankenstein Castle on Halloween. So uh, if you don't see me uh, on next week's pod, uh, you know, something bad happened to me in the Frankenstein castle. Murder. So, yes. <laughs> so everybody just have a great Halloween. Stay safe. Enjoy time with your family. Enjoy time out trick-or-treating or go to some cool Halloween parties. And if anything, add us with your best Halloween costume. We'd love to see some good ones. Ooh, I like it. Nice. Ooh, I like that. Go. All right. My last word is give us a like, give us a follow, give us a subscribe. And in honor of Chris Richards and his family, 
tell your mom, tell your grandparent, tell your great aunt about this podcast. <laughs> we will be forever <laughs> yeah. thankful. And tell me love them. <laughs> yes, call them, tell you love them. That comes second, though. Tell them that after you've told them <laughs> about our podcast. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for watching, listening, wherever you are. Really appreciate it, as always. And we'll be back next week, hopefully talking about some better performances. See everyone next time. Bye, guys. See everyone.